The following may contain offensive language, adult Let's try this again. The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a religion broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host. There he is, where I can find him with my finger that I rub in a tight circle, up and down, circle, up and down, Robert Winfrey, yay! Hey everybody! Just, just Mark finger. and I, so you can tell. Did you like Mark... get by me? <laughs> I don't know if I'd rather have food poisoning again or not, but it's it's a it's a tough call. <laughs> yes, it's just me and Robert. So Mark's going to be weirder than usual. <laughs> I just also say I appreciate that we do the intro for the for the hearing impaired on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So to anyone out there who like watches but has to do it with closed captioning or whatnot, we thank you for your patronage and for putting up with our nonsense. It it's nice. For those of you who are hearing impaired that continue to listen to this podcast, we we especially thank you, uh, given your difficulties with hearing things that you actually bother to use. You you actually bother to listen to us. You mean, you know, you really have to be selective with what you can hear and can't hear. And yet, here you are listening to us to ramble for an hour or so. If there's anyone who's an expert on selective hearing, it's Mark. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, today, early matinee showing. So for any of you who happen to be joining us live, we appreciate you working us into your slightly to your schedule in a slightly different way. Yes, the obsession of the week is coming to... Uh visit us so i had to block out my entire evening in order to accommodate said guest uh, dinner guest fair enough so what are we doing today toots well mark you see a, a few months ago you and me and pat mullen got together and we reviewed samaritan we did it's on amazon prime and we had to go back in the comic book setting to a much darker grittier Rainier. Rain drenched. Everything Rush. hot, hot, raining, and on fire and dark. So very dark. Grim dark, as a matter of fact. With all the graffiti in the world. And punks. Punks and goons. 
They were all roaming the streets, hungry for blood, like vampires. Because that, that was the world of comics in the 90s, if you're not aware. Yep. Not in the world of comics, but also in the world of entertainment media in the 90s. There were the action movies. And Mark, it occurred to me as I was watching this film, we're discussing Plane. Hang on. Now that you've said the magic void. Plane is a 2023 American action thriller film directed by Jean-Francois Rochet. Written by Charles Cumming and J.P. Davis. Starring Gerard Butler. You able to use his natural Scottish accent. Good on you, Gerard. And Mike Coulter of Luke Cage fame. Yosin Ann and Tony Goldwyn. <coughs> the film centers around a pilot, Gerard Butler, allying with the prisoner, Mike Coulter, to save his passengers from a hostile territory they landed in for an emergency landing. Brought to you by Lionsgate, former studio. It's still technically a studio. <laughs> it's not Sony yet. Lionsgate is currently on Nebraska Ave in Tampa, hiking up its skirt so you can see just a little bit of hair underneath, looking for someone to make a purchase. There's a decent chance that's true. <laughs> Friggin' Roland Emmerich, man. Lionsgate has approached every car on Nebraska Avenue, stopping at a red light, asking if they want to have a good time. Whether it's, you know, Disney, Universal, Netflix, Amazon... Every car that stops at that light on Nebraska Ave, there's Lionsgate, boobs out, asking, do you want to have a good time? Yeah, and really, like, what? in order to sell the metaphor, you have to bring up the just terrible condition of their face after Roland Emmerich got through <laughs> with them. Yeah, R R Roland Emmerich was not a good John. Roland, Roland Emmerich may have thrown Lionsgate down a flight of stairs when he was done. Before he started. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to have a good time? Do I? And like, you know, baned Lionsgate over his knee. Yeah, that's that's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, it, occur insane. it occurred to me as I was watching this movie that it's we don't get movies like this very often anymore. It's kind of a lost art. You yeah. do the the self-contained mostly i'm going to stress mostly or at least attempted realism like mm -hmm. we don't get these anymore not in the theater no i mean even streaming you don't really get these. like the entire i'm not you get the more on streaming don't get me wrong mm -hmm. like the entire like ethos of movie making seems to have moved away from stuff like this here's what i'll tell you it's there it exists Bruce Willis has been in all of them as of late. No. <laughs> no, I'm making a joke, but I think the mid-tier mid straight-up action movie that is devoid of other IP ends up being made by smaller studios for foreign distribution starring an old actor. Um, and so they're not as good as they... The love and care from the time you're talking about where... Yeah there was a lot of these isn't there anymore the formula is there the structure is there the desire to make them is there but the market is overseas and so the effort and the craft isn't what it once was it oh, feels like they're not there but they are they're just shitty and not where you would think to find them and to the extent that they do exist on streaming services half of them wind up with a stupid sci-fi bent yeah i mean for crying out loud 
we talked about outside the wire what last that was the first one i thought of as a matter of fact yeah and it's just kind of sad i mean i miss movies like this you know Mm -hmm. and it it is it also occurred to me again as i was kind of watching this like there's a lot of contemporary movies that get lumped into the action genre that aren't really action movies right they just get like it's a big budget blockbuster it must be action well no no those two things aren't necessarily synonymous there's usually a lot of overlap but there's not a it's not a guarantee that they go together i think for a lot of studios so this thing was made um i'm gonna skip ahead a little bit yeah. this thing was made for a budget of 25 million and i think if you know another metaphor here i think hollywood studios and they're thinking about what they're going to green light and not green light they've seen the marvel movies and i hate to keep beating up on the same child uh, i am but... i am i am perfectly happy to help you kick this thing to death <laughs> but it's probably the best example of this everyone has seen the strength of the marvel movies i mean like the 2012's avengers really did change the world yeah. and not for the better um not necessarily for the better like it's it's another instance of people taking the wrong lesson well here's what i was going with this so it used to be you'd make a lot of movies for lower budgets with maybe one mid-tier star maybe one big star who knows and you'd do a fair amount of business maybe you'd even do more than a fair amount of business you'd do gangbusters and you'd make your money and you just you would keep keep the line moving honey keep the line moving yeah and then the avengers happens and the studios were like what if we just take a lot what if instead of making a lot of product we take a lot of money and put it into one product now we're gambling yeah and we're and 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 so instead of like a steady stream of good to decent products to keep the movie industry afloat and vibrant and full we're now instead of instead of going to work we're taking our paycheck and we're going to the casino mm-hmm. and we're betting on black and we're hoping to have big money, big money. And what happens more often than not is you come up red, you lose all your money and now you don't have any money and you don't have any product and everyone's wondering what are we supposed to do? And then and you, you have these other you little, fi- well, then you fire a bunch of people yeah. who didn't actually have anything to do with the gambling. <laughs> yeah. You, take out another loan you invest in a different ip and if you're marvel and even if you win more often than you lose you still cut your vfx crew in half and then pay them nothing to do four times the work right so my point is in the absence of competent movie studios putting a lot of product out there doing the work you're having the streamers do that you're having you know your amazon primes and netflixes and hulus And I guess my point is that you don't have the planes like you used to, like the movie we're going to talk about today, because instead of being committed to doing the work, they'd rather just gamble. Because on the occasion that you gamble and you win big, you get an avatar the way of the water. So it's like you're willing to, I mean, look at Warner Brothers this year. What was it? Four or five, last year rather. Four or five movies released. Look at Disney. Disney released more movies than Warner Brothers, but almost everything that wasn't a Marvel movie and an Avatar bombed. Compare that to and, Universal. Well, and even, movie... I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but even with mm-hmm. Disney, 
if you factor in the advertising that they had to do for a bunch of those, a lot of those Marvel stuff was not nearly as profitable as it looked like. Right. When we compared the output, Universal is the only one making movies. Universal. Yeah. A wide array, Universal is the only one in the business of making a wide array of movies for multiple audiences and not... I mean, they do a fair bit of leaning on its on their own IP too, but not like Disney and not like Warner Brothers. Too. Well, U- Universal and Paramount both do kind of a a little mm. bit of the same thing. They've kind of they've scaled back from the hey, let's throw six hundred million dollars at something between advertising and production, and then hope that we get a you know billion dollar movie. Right, but you can't. But again, instead, I mean, instead they threw like one hundred and fifty million at Babylon, and we all laughed. <laughs> So I guess my point is, so that we can move forward, is that the the desire to gamble and hope you hit an avatar is more than anything else killing the movie industry. And then we're, you know, and then we're dependent on the little studios, whether it's streamers or not, like Lionsgate, to put out a movie like Plane. So you have the little studios that are like that are still doing movies the way that, you know, we're used to the way that used to make money. The problem is Lionsgate can't afford another fucking moonfall. And Dude, if Lionsgate yeah. goes, that's one less that's one less factory putting out yeah. decent product. And that's no good for anybody. I mean, it just yeah. just just in like applied basic economic terms, the more factories that shut down, the less jobs there are, the less product there is, the more monopolies there are, the less products that are available that are worth the shit. Yeah, there's, it's very briefly in that same vein, like the notion that, and people were making the argument about superhero movies, that it's just like the modern version of the Western, which had a period of domination at the Hollywood box office and then faded away. And none of that comparison holds water when you actually break it down for a variety of reasons. Uh, One is superhero movies make a, or comic book movies, superhero movies, they make up a disproportionate amount of the total box office relative to how many are released because there's not that many right but they take up a giant chunk of the box office and superhero movies are released by like two studios if you're not counting the independents for the but sake even a lot of independent stuff ends up on streamers anyway yeah it, again it's it's just you know kind of the state of movies right now and we can only just hope that the market somehow corrects because but then again there's still idiots going to see way of water for reasons that are utterly beyond human comprehension so to transition into the plot of this thing we almost yeah. didn't do this movie because i because i tend close. to not well i just i tend to not do for the for the sake of the show smaller studio stuff and robert was like you're part of the problem then aren't you we have a free week we have we have a week where there isn't a big budget IP, a big studio release, we have a week that we're not even having to deal with a big streamer, and and, and it's right there. there. There's poor old Plane. <clears throat> she's at the Sadie Hawkins dance, but no, you know, and and she's looking around for a boy to dance with, and, and we won't dance with her. And 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 there's Robert Winfrey going, for God's sakes, dance with the dance with the moderately pretty girl. She's, she's waiting for you, and I'm like, eh. Gonna walk over to the hot goth over here. No, stupid. That ends badly every single. T- I'm projecting again. The point is, <laughs> it, for the record, though, it really does. 
Every time. Every time. All right. So one would think at some point we would learn from our mistakes. Let's go ahead and do the plot synopsis for this uh, moderately pretty girl at the Sadie Hawkins dance. But also, for the record, the other reason... Also, we knew that Derpy Entertainment is is with us on YouTube and has put up a couple of comments here. He says, ah, yes, Plain describes itself indeed as Plain. Ha <laughs> ha And so it's Air Force One. It's not no, quite Air Force One. It's not, even, it's not even close to Air Force One. <laughs> but we appreciate Derpy hanging out with us. Hi, Derpy. Uh, all right. Uh, sorry, the last thing about why we didn't, why we almost didn't review this movie. In theory, there was a Guy Ritchie movie that was supposed to come out this last. That was the too. that was the big reason. I was I was wanted to do the Guy Ritchie movie, and then the Guy Ritchie movie apparently didn't come out in the United States, so it got bumped around or whatnot. And frankly, after the last couple of Guy Ritchie movies, I might have argued for Plane anyway. I mean, <laughs> look, you and I enjoyed Wrath of Man just fine, but before mm-hmm. that was uh, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam, who's uh, the gentleman. I, we like the gentleman. I have li- I like that less the more I think about it. Let me just put it that way. I might have I might have inflated my enjoyment of that movie just because of Hugh Hugh Grant. You are you do have a weird thing for Hugh Grant. Like you are every woman in her like late thirties to early forties going, Oh, he's just so charmingly befuddled. I, I have a weird thing for that type of gay guy character. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Leave me alone with my fetishes and tell me about this this plane, this huge throbbing plane. Yeah, look, your desire to be Hugh Grant, to be as, as confident <laughs> with your, to be, you know, you want to play someone who's married to Daniel Craig in a Netflix movie that I will be tearing apart next week for the record. Yep. All right. Do, have have you on. seen that? Just, I have, have not watched Glass Onion okay. yet. Dude, actually, in the next week, I have to finish watching Doom Patrol, the second half of Resident Alien, Generation Kill, and Glass Onion. I don't know when the hell I'm going to do all this. I'm sure you'll find time. (laughs) I'm being told by by the uh, the peanut gallery that I should just stay home from work and not have a life. Life sucks. TV's better. Okay. Um, What I've been invited to do is sit with one of my housemates, and we're just going to watch TV for the next week and a half. Well, good luck to you. Plane, go! So, Plane follows uh, a... uh, Primarily the character, played by Gerard Butler, of Captain Brody Torrance. He's an airline cap pilot. He's looking... uh, He's trying to get from Singapore to Honolulu to spend New Year's with his daughter. Uh, His wife passed away a few years ago. His daughter's going to school. I think she's going to school in Maui was kind of what was intimated or she's there for some kind of break. And they just, they haven't been able to get together all that often. And he's looking forward to spending the holidays with his kid. And as they are, uh, they're going to start this low, you know, it's late. It's a over new year's Eve. Uh, They are informed they will be transporting a prisoner. Mark Coulter, who is being extradited from where they, the whatever various government agencies found him in Bali, they are ex- extraditing him to the United States to stand trial for murder. So he gets to sit at the back of the plane with a guard and be quiet as they drive, as they fly to Tokyo, where he'll be dropped off and then he takes a different plane. There's, you know, the co pilot, there's our stewardesses, there's, you know, the dozen or so passengers and they take off and they hit inclement weather 
like you do. After warning the people in charge of their flight, like uh, their flight plan, like, hey, maybe we should go around the big storm. And our stupid penny pincher goes, <laughs> it'll dissipate by the time you get there. We think you can, we don't want to spend the extra money on fuel. Again, like you do. <laughs> so they fly into the weather. They try to get around. They try to get up and over it. They get struck by lightning causing all kinds of mechanical problems and Gerard Butler must in a masterful display of piloting mind you <laughs> land this land this commercial airliner on a dirt mining road on an island in the Philippines which he does safely like the only two people that die during this entire thing are is one stewardess and the guard who unbuckled during a chaotic descent and at that point you're just asking for it yeah that I it was one of those where I I don't want to get into the crash just yet. I want to let you finish what you're doing. But one of the great strengths of this movie is that they don't write everyone totally stupid, but occasionally they write stupid. On yeah, like it, it stands out. Um, it stands out more because everyone else is not that stupid, right? For these so two, got for these two people to go. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you know, it's one of those like, does it survive the pitch meeting test? Where in the pitch meeting test is essentially why is that happening? So the movie can happen. Too much of that and the movie's too stupid, and then we, you know, and we give it the boys don't cry treatment. A little bit of that, and we go, hmm, and we just let it slide. Yeah. And I don't even think the crazy thing about that, I don't even think it's necessary for the movie to happen, for those people mm -hmm. to die. Like it's just, yeah, let's inflate the body count a little bit. Which don't get me wrong, high body counts don't yeah. bother me one iota. Anyway, they make this, you know, desperation landing. They get everyone out of the plane, uh, only to discover that with a little bit of, you know, math and piloting skills, well, we might be on this one island here. And it's a bad island because the people who run this island are militia members and separatists and revolutionaries, and they've driven out the Filipino government. <laughs> and it's Lord of the Flies out here. Like, well, that could be bad. So Gerard Butler takes Mike Coulter and they go off to try and find some kind of phone or radio or something they can use to call for help because they need that. Our co-pilot stays behind and starts fiddling around with the elect with the wiring and the electrical systems on the plane to try and get some kind of power back to it. Uh, ultimately, he is he is successful in that respect. But the local Filipino militia our, our separatists did in fact see and get word of the giant airplane that landed on the, in the middle of nowhere in the jungle and being, you know, violent terrorists, they decided, okay, hostages. Yay. <laughs> so they go out, they go after them. There's a bit of an action scene when uh, Gerard Butler does find a phone. He's able to get it to somewhat work. He tries to call out, can't really get through to his um, to the company that owns the plane that he was flying. Does get through to his daughter, gives her some information. She relays it. Uh, they're attacked by a couple of these uh, you know militiamen. Gerard Butler kills one. Luke Cage happily kills a couple of others. <laughs> uh, but at the end of all of this, our passengers two of them are killed. The rest of them are abducted. And uh, our two heroes decide we have to go save them. 
It's the best thing to do. It's the honorable thing to do. So a little bit of gorilla, a little bit of infiltration, some knife deaths, a couple of sledgehammers to the face that make <laughs> Triple H go, geez, you know how to work the thing. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I was having violent night flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> like a good sledgehammer usage. It's an underutilized weapon in cinema. When I finally, and, and I want the FBI to pay attention to this, you know, like I, I'm really here to just make your life easier at this point. When I finally do snap and kill everyone in this, I'm going slow. Are you back yet? I don't know if that's you or me. <laughs> uh, hang on, let me check. Oh, my internet looks good. Yeah, no, we uh, that was a StreamYard issue, I think. Okay, apologies for the technical issues there. But yeah, when, when Mark goes, like... Yeah, I the first wave is going to be done with gunfire, but all the finish work. Uh, that's going to be done with a hammer. Okay. All right. Are you, how are we doing here? I think we're okay. Okay. Again, uh, apologies. Are you good? Uh, yeah. I again, I don't know if that was you or me. I think my internet's been fine. So. Uh, yeah. I, I maybe it was my end. It might have just been a stream yard. It doesn't matter. Okay. Anyway, yeah. the joke was that when I finally when I finally snap and murder our everyone. Jo in this house, our joke about Mark's uh, family yeah. annihilation followed by mass murder spree. Yes, is is definitely going to be with a hammer. That's going to be the weapon of choice. And so, like, the first wave is going to be done with gunfire, and then all the finish work is just hammer. <laughs> sure. Anyway. Uh, anyway, they rescue the passengers. They go to make a run for the plane. But it's a little bit difficult. Fortunately, the airline in question has hired a bit of a fixer who sent in mercenaries who show up at the opportune time. And... I, I'm even to God, nick of time, as it were. I'm not even mad about it. Like that was actually mm -hmm. kind of like that was like the entire setup for that was well done enough to earn the payoff. And well, at least they weren't on the side of the enemy in this one. Yeah, that was a nice. <laughs> it was, it was nice. like, oh, look, oh look, they, they sent in help and they helped because they were helpful. Terrific. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Mm -hmm. uh, so our mercenary group again. We get a bit of a firefight. They retreat to the plane. Bigger firefight. They turn the plane around. They take off. Um, Mike Coulter, rather than go back and face criminal charges, uh, he sticks around on the island, but he steals the, you know, $500,000 that the... There's always an emergency fund when you're dropped into that part of the world if you're a mercenary group, you know, to buy things, to try and bribe your way out of problems. Like, that's a real thing. So he swipes the five hundred grand. Provides a last bit of cover fire, then heads off into the jungle to resume his life uh, on the run. Gerard Butler is able to sort of get this beaten down, shot up, half fuel emptied plane without doors, because they had to explosively decompress. Uh, he's able to sort of get it just far enough to a safe island <laughs> with civilization and running water and ambulances and fire trucks. 
mostly landed on the on the tarmac and uh, the movie ends with him calling his daughter going yeah you know you were right i'm gonna be a little bit late uh again there's not a whole lot here in fact one of my big critiques of this movie is there's not quite enough story here like there's not really enough going on but that's how i remember action movies of this ilk being they were setups for long action sequences which I'm okay with. I somebody I, I went on a date to go see this, and she was asking me like what I thought of the movie, and I was like, it was slight, but but the the thing you came for, the reason you showed up to this was not the story; it was the action sequences. So as long as the action sequences are well done, and they are, um, and they're knitted together well with a story that is at least coherent, it um, <laughs> it's held up by decent acting, and it's consistent within its own universe. You got a winner here. I, and hang on, what am I looking at? You see, we have money. Yeah. Is that what I'm reading? They put $700 on Woo! We can eat. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry, <laughs> my someone, uh... someone off screen has pulled the three-eyed fish out of uh, Lake Springfield, and woohoo, we eat tonight. Yes, yes. I, I was just told that uh, we won't starve. So, so yeah. someone around here is finally earning their keep. I just spent $200 on food. Yeah, but what have you done for me lately? I spent $200 <laughs> on food and then cooked it. Moving on. Um, so anyway. $200 I, on food gets you like a day and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. You can't talk to her. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. She's having a rough day. She probably doesn't need two men ganging up on her. Or does she? Moving on. Um... (laughs) Also, for the record, never. (laughs) Noted. Um, Anyway, what I was trying to tell you before you distracted me was that you know the stools, the stool for this, the the legs on the stool are not that hard to accomplish. Uh Good action sequences, competent acting, and a coherent story. You you knit the action sequences together, you know, with with some good. uh, you knit them together. I was, there was a word I was going for. Like we say it all the time on here. Um, doesn't matter. It'll come to me. It'll come to me later, and I'll just blurt it out. Uh, connective that, tissue. Con- yeah, I got yeah. connective tissue. There we go. You have some good connective tissue that doesn't have the audience going, "Wait, what the hell?" And you've got a solid movie here. And this goes back to the initial conversation we were having about the art of making a solid movie, because not everything needs to be an avatar. And not everything should be, oh gosh, what was it? Um, What was the one with Chris Hemsworth that we hated last year? You're going to have to be way more specific. The one with Miles Teller. It was part of our triple feature we did. Oh, Spiderhead. Spiderhead, thank you. Yeah, so like, don't aim for Spiderhead either. You don't always have to, you know. brain, Miles Teller. I mean, go watch Moneyball and hear um, what's his nuts talk about guys that always get on base. Like sometimes that's all you need is the movie yeah. to get on base. You don't need to hit a home run. Don't strike out. Get on base. And Plane is a very get on base movie. And that's why, you know, like I don't think it's gonna make my top 10 for the year, but it's yeah. solid as fuck, man. Um the thing I, I I again, if you think about the action sequences as the top draw for this movie, and I was thinking about how it was done. It's been a while since I've seen Commando, and I might be inflating my memory of it. But that's what, but that's what I was kind of thinking of. Like, 
ha- let's put our heroes in a you know in a, in a jungle. Give them some machine guns. Put some uh, put some baddies out there. They have to be foreign. They cannot be white. Um, they, they well, at the time, to... at the time. Well, in this movie too, like I, I was. Well, char- the, the, the setting for this movie necessitates that more than like they could have put it in the Ukraine for all we knew, you know, and then not release it because you know the Ukraine war. But my point is, like, think about you're arguing with me, but you're wrong because think about Top Gun. Top Gun. They went out of their way to make to, to, like we're gonna bomb this insta- this installation. We're, we're gonna bomb in- the enemy. Yeah, the enemy in this foreign place. <laughs> it's like doesn't tell you anything. They're like, are they white, black, Arab? What what are we? Are we are we are we in China? We're in a foreign hostile territory. Great. This is like <laughs> that, that worked in the eighties because it was half the world. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> well, it's like the joke about the modern media. You know, when it's one type of person, you know, just like. The, the assailant was wearing a black overcoat and boots. You know, when it's another one, it's just like, and he was an African-American man, 6'5", and didn't pay his child support. Like, you know, like there's, there's times where the news is really descriptive and other times where they're completely not, depending on which one we're favoring at the time and what year. Um, and so, like, Top Gun Maverick went out of its way to be like, and we don't want to offend anyone, so it's in a, f- <laughs> you know, it's from Parts Unknown. The only occupant of Parts Unknown was the Ultimate Warrior. Um, here... They didn't even like. This is one of those movies where I I can't wait till we get to the Rotten Tomatoes thing because I guarantee you someone's going to complain oh, about yeah. how unwoke this movie is. You someone's going like, to how... complain about the xenophobia, right? Oh my god, a white guy running around shooting Filipinos! How racist! It's like, or I mean, and to hear be me fair, out here. <laughs> I mean, and to be fair, like Mark Coulter shot a lot more people than Gerard. <laughs> we're Parker gonna we're gonna ignore that. See, um, or the, the fact that the leader of the or the fact that the leader of the mercenary group was also black that showed yeah. up and shot a lot of people. Like, <laughs> right. Let's, you know, or the, the Asian poor... guy with the Barrett that's sniping these people. Like, <laughs> we, look, we, we're laughing because mm. we know how stupid reviewers are. Like, that's why we're laughing here. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah, you know, I, I, I want to see how many people are like, like, stay home and watch Velma. Don't go see Flame. Um... Yeah. Look, <laughs> watch Velma if you want brain cancer. So, anyway. Um, craft elements. I, I want to talk about the uh, the action sequences, especially. And I wish like we had like Andrew Graham here to kind of tell me about this gun. But the one gun that they were using, where they were shooting through the truck, that's a okay. That's a Barrett fifty caliber sniper rifle. Yeah, it, that and was great. That was the high point of the movie for me. That look, that is the this is one of the very few instances I've ever seen in film with that weapon system being deployed properly. Yeah, that was great. Like, that's what that thing does. You shoot right. out engine blocks with it. And yeah, so, he's, I'm hiding behind the car. You mean a couple of thin sheets of metal with this thing coming at you? Right. Oh. And then the impact <laughs> of this thing when everyone's getting blown backwards. I'm like, oh, yeah. I nudged my date. I was like, that's amazing. Like, I, if I saw nothing else in this movie, just that scene alone would be enough for me to give it a high recommendation. That sequence was immaculate. And I'll tell you, it's hard to... It's going to sound funny, and I don't know if you'll even agree with it, but I think it's hard to create novel action sequences now. I think actually one of our yeah. big criticisms is, oh, hum, more of the same. Even in like your John Wicks and your, like your gun fu type movies, some of it after a while, at least for me, becomes redundant. Boy, have I never seen that before. I have never seen that particular armament do what it did to the people it did it to and have it look as cool as it did. 
the closest you might have gotten prior to this was the sniper character in uh, Rambo, the fourth Rambo mm. movie. Yeah. Uses one of these. And unfortunately, that's not a that's not a gun or a weapon system that you would ever take on that kind of a mission. Right. Because that thing is heavy. Like, so what the fact you... that they have it where they mm. land and deploy it when everyone's coming to them, thumbs up. That's accurate. Right. You would not take that thing hiking through the jungle with you, ever. Yeah. Was it Jesse Ventura? Even, uh, okay, if you're Jesse Ventura, <laughs> you can take the minigun. Yeah, and, right. a thousand, and a thousand rounds of ammo, which miraculously <laughs> weighs nothing. And make sure you're calling everyone a slack George faggot. That's important. Um... <laughs> well, especially because, I mean, come on, man. They, did, they clearly did not want to become a sexual tyrannosaurus like Jesse the body Ventura. Which is what you do with your dip and chew. You know, it's, it's what it's there for. Anywho, um, I want to talk about Mike Coulter. Love that movie. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I want to talk about Mike Coulter for a second because I really love the way they wrote his character. And what I mean by that is it's, you know, he's on the run. He has a 15-year-old charge. They don't really give you a lot of details as to why he's being transported, where he's going, or what it's for, or anything else like that. All you needed to know was he committed a murder. It was 15 years ago. He's been on the run. They need to get him to XYZ place. That's why he's there. And they they don't make him one of the monsters on Air Con, or Con Air, rather. Um, they don't also, make... I also love that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie, but, like, again, that was a yeah, collection yeah. of, like, wild animals. Oh, yeah. Um, they don't make him a monster. They don't make him sympathetic. He's, he's he's it, not one of these I was wrongfully accused. Right. Well, was yeah. Like, he just said no. I got to the extent that he talks about it. It was mm -hmm. I was young. I was in a bad situation, and I made a choice, and then I chose to ran after that. Like, right. So, and that's but that's what I liked about it because again, yeah. we live in a we we're, we talk about how movies are dumb, but I think we all what we sometimes neglect to mention is how they're written because they think the audience is dumb. There's... That's a big problem I had with a lot of movies we talked about last year where it felt like the writing was dumb because they felt like the audience couldn't keep up, like this was too much movie for them. And given some of the reviewers that we've read over the years, they're not totally wrong, but it would be nice every once in a while to be given the benefit of the doubt. And Mike Coulter's character very much does that, where it's like all you needed to... All, we, we need a guy for Gerard Butler to buddy up with and shoot bad guys. He needs to be a badass. We'll give him just enough character for that and let Mike Coulter do the rest. Boy, is that nice, where we're essentially given enough room as an actor. This is the thing I wanted to comment on because I, I don't think enough people really focus on it. Sometimes characters are written too tightly. You know, it's their clothing is too tight. Everything doesn't fit right. You know, skin and fat is just sort of bulging out. There's nothing for the character to do, the character, the, the actor to do. There's no room to play. They are like, here's your character. This is what you do. Run towards that green box. Yell loudly. That's it. Now go home, you and McGregor. Um, and and there's say, and, like, you, could, you could also substitute anyone acting in Marvel these days. Again, I'm going to kick that whenever I felt like I can. beating up on George Lucas for a little bit. Could we not beat That's up the fair. same kid in every show? Like, let's spread it around a bit. Eh. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked about this with one of our reviews last year. Actors play. This is this is why people become actors. It's they it is professional make believe. Right, they want to. You have a director to rein people in. Good actors are going to go for it. They're going to try things. 
I always bring this one example up, but I think it's a really good one. So I go, so it's my go-to um, bamboozled with Damon Wayans um, by Spike Lee and Damon Wayans is like going for it. Like Damon Wayans might not be the world's world's greatest actor, but he tries, he's playing, he's trying to, he's trying to do things to make the character interesting. And there's Spike Lee going, no, Damon, you can't do that accent. Or a really other, another great example that I've heard Johnny Depp in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies wanting to tell um, Gorbidal um, that he wanted to ugly up the character more. And them going, no, this is a fucking Disney pick, not a Wendy's. You have to you have to look somewhat camera ready. You crazy person. You can't ugly yourself up. You're the main character. Um, things like that. But I like that. I like that collaborative tension between the players and the directors. It creates really nice moments. And so credit where credit's due, they gave Mike Coulter some room to play and bring some brooding gravitas to this character where I think somebody would have overwritten it. Gerard Butler isn't Superman, which was nice. Yep. Gerard Butler was very much a, you know, he he's the he's the kind of character that is sorely not being written right now, where he is he is a competent man that is put in extraordinary circumstances and he has to rise to the occasion. He is capable, but that's not what he does, but he's forced to because of the circumstances. Well, how I often do we how often do we see that now? Very infrequently, and he's also competent, but he's not, like you said, he's not Superman. He can't do everything. In fact, he struggles a bit when it comes to the violence. You know, he he doesn't shoot that many people in this mm -hmm. movie. Like, I don't, he assists Mike Coulter in doing it several times. Right. But he's not the one out there, you know, he, he's not he's not happily machine gunning down a wave of enemies. Have you watched Kaleidoscope yet? No. Okay. So, like, as opposed to Jai Courtney, who apparently is the T-1000, where it just takes endless amounts of damage and keeps coming. I hate somehow. I know. I know you do. Plank of wood, Jai Courtney. <laughs> Keep going. Wood. Mahogany. Um, I'm about to give you wood. Please keep going. You you and I both know I don't <laughs> I don't invoke that <laughs> response. So anyway, since you refuse to cooperate. Uh, um yeah, Gerard Butler. Yeah. First of all, I love the fact that he got to just talk normal for himself. Mm -hmm. Like he 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 starts speaking with like his natural Scottish accent, and I was like, woo! Like, oh Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? Um, I, I love the ease at which this movie was shot. We're like, just let these people be themselves. Like, let Gerard be Gerard. Let Mike be Mike. Let's make some magic happen. It is, if somebody were to tell me, like, what's the best thing about playing? It's, it, it is the simplest. It, it, it is simplicity um, writ large. Yeah. It's really nice because so much of what we do is so big and bombastic and so nonsensical that it's nice to just, not even just to come back to like, you know, the old, as we were saying before, the old um, standard guys for movies for guys who like movies action flick. Just the simplicity of this movie. Set up, mi uh, middle chapter, payoff, good guys win, bad guys are punished. We had fun along the way and we learned a thing or two about ourselves. Great. I, why is this so hard? Why? Why is this so difficult? Do you want like? There's a couple no. of reasons. There's a couple of reasons. One, mo I'm convinced of this. Like you mentioned, most writing is like 
most movie writing these days is uh, like assumes the audience is dumb. Yeah. I'm convinced most writers now have the opinion of the audience that Michael Bay does as a director. Like Michael Bay <laughs> hates his audience. Sure. Give us help, Quimby. So I, I'm partially convinced of that. Like mm -hmm. they, there's just, no, I don't, we don't like you. We don't like anything about you people. And we want to take your money. So, but please give us money. Yeah. Then there's okay. But how do we like, then there's the just hunger for ongoing IP that just yeah. never seems to go away. Yeah. Uh, I, again, like Ryan Johnson, I might disagree with on several things, and I, I mm -hmm. like most of his work. But I think he's exactly right when he said, "Again, this got this wasn't this was a quote that got taken out of context when he was talking that interview he did recently." We're like, "Oh, he wanted to give Star Wars a Viking funeral." Like, no, <laughs> he said movies in general today lean way too heavily on please let's generate an IP. Whatever happened to movies Having that just mentor. end? Right. And he was like, I like the concept of a Viking funeral where everything, you, you know, it has a definitive end. There's no question about it. Yeah. Megan doesn't upload herself to the cloud for a future sequel, you know, and, and I understand why the Midnight's Edge people and the critical drinkers of the world jumped all over that because they, they don't like what he did with Star Wars. But Ryan Johnson's also not wrong when he says too much of the business of movies now is how much can we milk this thing for? What else can we do with yeah. it? How you know? How long can we drag this out for to make as much money as possible? No one is seemingly concerned with the art anymore, um, at least not at that level. You know, you want well, art, I mean, you go to an A twenty four movie. I mean, you've heard the stories about you know the people who direct. And I'll put direct in air quotes. Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Like okay, so we've already shot most of the action sequences, um, and this is all written. And you're going to be doing it on this particular set of green screens. Mm -hmm. And, you know. <laughs> it reminds me of like Patton Oswalt's joke about doing voiceover work. And uh, he would do touch-ups. And they were like, okay, you know, and he was describing what a touch-up was. And they were like, no, no, no. We're already done shooting this Pixar movie. What your job is, is to write some funny stuff to make the off-screen stuff look sound funny. Or whatever, however way you described it. So he was like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to do this. And he gave some funny examples. But to, to go over your point, he made a point of saying the studios were calling him in after, well after things were, sh things were shot and rendered and set for film. They just needed him to do punch up. That's what it was. It was called punch up. Yeah. They just needed him to punch something up for them because I guess the scene didn't work the way that it was done. And he was like, wow, there is no consideration for any art here. It was literally just like, um, this scene lacks something, and we want it to be funny. Throw a pie in someone's face. Like, there's no no coherency to it. There's no no vision. It's just what can we shove into this scene to keep the rabble laughing? Um, last yeah. thing, and then uh, last thing, and then I, I, I want to get through the craft review of playing here, so we can move on. Um, I think, like I said, the action sequence is all there's a brutality to it. This is what I was thinking about, like with Commando. Um, there's a brutality to it that that is sorely missed in modern action movies because I think. Boy, boy, do they. Well, the brutality is safe for horror movies now. Um, that's the only place where you're allowed to dismember people. I'm like, there used to be a time where you could watch an action movie and watch someone get fucking blown in half. Mm -hmm. You know, there used to be a time where you now get... It, nowadays, if it's not John Wick, then you don't right. get... Or it, this is one of the things that stood out to me about a, a bunch of the Gareth Edwards movies that came out mm -hmm. of um, 
again, it's Southeast Asia. Uh, stuff like um, you know, the raid or the night comes for us. Like there, it's a straight action movie, but there's a real nice visceral violence to the to the martial arts violence that's taking place do you remember when bret hart talked about in wrestling with shadows have you noticed that i kick someone square in the face and you don't see a mark on you don't see a mark on them mm-hmm. if, they, like if you like you've you've done combat sports i've done combat sports you've actually hit people i've hit people when you hit someone even if you don't necessarily do a tremendous amount of damage you still leave like a print of your hand on their face so like your, your face still re- your blood rushes to that it's usually but, discoloration yeah, yeah. right and Bret Hart was like, "Have you noticed nothing? Ha- nothing like that happens. I'm kicking somebody squat in the face, because he's talking about like the safety in which he wrestles, yeah. but how real he makes it look." And I was thinking about that in terms of film. Like, Plane did a really good job of making the violence look visceral without it being gory. And there's that fine line, but it was there. And I have to give credit where credit is where credit is due. Where so much of modern movies, by comparison, either. It's a Bret Hart thing where everyone's like hitting each other, you know, with fucking nail spike bats and somehow no one takes any damage or everyone's head comes off, you know, and the guts come flying out, you know, and there's a guy throwing intestines at you and live in 3D. And it's like, I I would love a middle ground. I would (laughs) love something firmly in the middle where when someone gets hit, it, they take damage. (laughs) It hurts. I was watching. There should be play. repercussions to getting shot. <laughs> just, yeah. just, just throwing it out there. I was watching a TikTok, and it was just it was a clip of a, a scene from I think the last season of Ozark, where Jason Bateman hit a guy in the face, and he's not a puncher, you know, he's not a fighting guy, but he was defending his woman, you know, terrible Laura Linney, and he punches a guy in the face. And if you don't condition your hands, this is why you do drills on bags and stuff like mm-hmm. that. If you do not condition your hand and you punch someone squat in the face, you know, where you make contact with their skull, if you don't know how to throw a punch, you're going to break your hand. Frankly, if you know how to throw a punch, you're going to break your hand. See half the boxers in professional boxing. Yeah, when you again, when you throw a punch, the number you would not believe. You might, Mark, but for people out there, you wouldn't believe how many people mm-hmm. just don't know how to make a fist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, where, how, where to position your fingers? Where to put your thumb? You know, when you throw it, what do you the, do? The with number it? of Is people it... who will give you one of these. Well, the other side of that, or like, like keeping this. your wrist straight. Yeah, I can't say, like, just working here, with my kids. Here's the other thing, guys. Mm-hmm. People, when they start punching, they do this. Right. They punch like this. Yep. Guess what happened? Look at where the stress riser is. This mm-hmm. needs to be flat, so the force travels all the way back here. This can absorb it. The other thing, punch with these two knuckles. Mm. These two hurt them. These two hurt you. Yeah. So you my point with is, these, you're gonna break something. Working this, with my this working is the most kids. broken, like that yeah. that bone. That's the one that breaks. Not, working like, with my kids, like the thing the that I always teach them is like, you know, this is the this is the end point to the weapon. The weapon is here, and if this doesn't lined up here, you're gonna hurt yourself. The punching yeah. like this isn't gonna do you any good. That's so, another way people do it. It's just dumb. Yeah. So, um, you know, and you know, and I've always talked to my kids about swiveling your hips. You know, like I we, power I, comes I talk, power comes from the earth. Like yeah. You, you, that that power starts when you push off the ground. But Pat and I talked about how, like Mike Tyson, you know, his uppercut, you know, he pulled that from the core of the earth. Oh yeah. When he swiveled those hips, it was like he was like doing you know the lombada. 
Um, and that's where that's where he got so much of his power from. You know, it helped that he was shorter than the average heavyweight. But the point is, with all of this, it was nice to see a movie that showed some gritty violence. Um, and like I said, I, I went with I, I was there with another woman. I was you know I was there with a date, and she was and she was. We both kind of had that same reaction, and I think this is important to say out loud. People long for this sort of thing. People want that experience. I don't think people know that in Hollywood anymore. I think people think they want all people want is either Splatterhouse, you know, intestines coming at you, or they want nonviolence violence like you would see in Marvel or Star Wars. And nope, a large portion of us aren't getting what we need from the movie industry, which is that middle of the road visceral violence that can pass as realistic which I think plain More by comparison excelled in. And I'll give you the yeah. final word. Well, I mean, just speaking of realistic mm-hmm. um, stuff in action, again, like the first John Wick movie has that in spades. It's part of the yeah. reason it was so successful was everything about it felt very real. Again, it's stylized, of course. Sure. But it feels real. And then, you know, two and three and no, suddenly we're just <laughs> way yep. off over there. Have you seen the trailer for John Wick 4? I have. Oi. <laughs> I, I look forward to him punching a camel, like Arnold. I mean, who doesn't want to punch a camel? I mean, the camels are fuckers, but still. You ever, you ever seen, you see, have you seen how strong a camel is, just for the record? Sure. There's a video of a camel that bites a guy around the head. Mm-hmm. Full-grown man. Yeah. And then just effortlessly, with just its neck, lifts him up and tosses him, like, five feet away. Just, Nope. I was into watching foreign cooking videos for a while, and they they ate up a, a whole camel. Oh yeah, camel camel tastes pretty good. Speaking of tasting pretty good, what else you got to say about planes? So we can move on. Uh, I think again, if I'm going to level some criticism at this, when I say there's not enough story here, it's there's some cutaway stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, I understand we're trying to break up, you know, some of the movies, some of the tension. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm laughing because every scene when they're in the office and you have the one guy yeah the the burke of the movie he's um he's not the greek he's vondas in the wire season two god his character that he's the only other character written in this movie dumb for the sake of plot yeah there's this weird like nonsensical bit of conflict that exists for all of one scene between the flight owner and their the fixer He's like, okay, we've got our mercenaries in there. Get on the plane and get out of here. And he's like, no, the plane should stay where it is. Like, you already know the Filipino government is not going <laughs> to do anything. But what if it blows up? Like, it, it's literally the dumbest point of conflict in this entire movie. Yeah, is for some reason, like, and it, there's no reason for it. It was to like be Independence there. Day. It's like, you know, the 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 Air Force pilot in the in the cable guy have this crazy plan. I hear you, and it's not like we have a lot of options, but I don't like them, so we don't want to do it. And it's like, why are you arguing about this? Like, no rational person would have argued at that point, considering half the world had been blown up by by the, that point in the movie. Well, again, any the stupid sec- idea would have been a good idea. The Secretary of Defense in that movie is there to be a punching bag, and we're okay yeah, no, that. obviously, but that's stupid for the sake of being stupid to move the plot along. And and here, like, it doesn't even move the plot. It's like he goes, <laughs> but the the plane might explode. Or they get machine gunned to death by the militia. Right. Yeah. Again, <laughs> any a stupid plan is better than no plan. Yeah, it's it, it's just really it's just really dumb. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't think they had enough like B plot and B 
issue yeah. to work with here. I mean, to, to make the somewhat obvious contrast point, the 90s movie, late 90s, early 2000s movie, uh, Air Force One, starring Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman. Ah, yes, the one that Derpy brought up. It this has it. Right here. Yes, Hi, Derpy. That has a B plot in the you know Situation Room in the White House with the cabinet members potentially you know, voting the you know, voting the president to be out of power mm-hmm. because he is compromised. And this is I mean first of all this is a thing that can happen. It's happened a few times in American history. Not a it's a thing. But like the B plot does a lot of that. Like we're we're playing with these other characters and how they're interacting and what's going on there. And there's some interesting stuff happening here. There's not. And I think it's kind of a, it's kind of a weakness of the film. Uh, Butler and Coulter have good chemistry. I could have done with a little more to be candid. I got, I, I needed them being, you know, buddies a little bit more than I got, but see, I, I don't agree with that, but I'm not going to, well, it's not. I think that's a personal preference thing, not a yeah. class issue. Yeah, it probably. I mean, bear in mind when I say them being buddies, I don't need them like forming this great lifelong friendship. I don't need them pouring out their souls to each other. Like, so, Critical Drinker released a video not too long ago, one of his latest in the series of why modern movies suck. And there's some of the stuff he brings up in this one that I don't agree with, but one of the, but it's like. One of the reasons modern movies suck is because modern Hollywood struggles to actually write male characters. Okay. I need to address that because Andrew and I have been talking about it all week. Critical Drinker is not all the way wrong, but he's also got a skewed perspective because he's only talking about major yeah. um, major IP um, pop culture stuff. Yeah. He's talking about every he's talking about the Lucasfilms, Marvel's, DC uh, stuff of the world. He because if you look at the wide uh, breadth of stuff that's out there, plenty of men are written just fine. But if you're only looking at pop culture, if you're only looking at Lucasfilm, Marvel, DC... You mean if we're... Or, okay, hang on. So to play devil's advocate slightly. Mm-hmm. So if we're only looking at all the movies that most people see? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and completely ignore and completely ignore primetime television... Um, well, like everyone else, primetime television is barely a thing anymore. It doesn't change the fact that if you're not, look, if a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? If you're not, if, if people are writing competent, intelligent, mature men who act like men, men we've grown up around, those of us who grew up around men, and I know not a lot of people have, and that's half the problem. No kidding. Um, but they're there. But no one's watching those shows. Not yeah. not to, or if they're watching them, they're not they're not part of the national. They're not on Twitter, you know. They're not on Twitter talking about. I watch Grey's Anatomy. Men are fine. Like men are not. <laughs> for the record, men are not fine in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> it was the first thing I thought of. But um, Yellowstone. I don't. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, no one's on Twitter talking. You're talking about the virtue of men in in cinema after they've watched Yellowstone. Those people went to bed. They have jobs in the morning. The people, the people on Twitter, are either hating or singing the praises of Velma. That that's the conversation happening. So I so to go back to the drinker, drinker's point about Lucasfilm, Marvel, DC, etc., not having men who act like men, I think is valid. But 
you can't paint with that white a brush either. And he doesn't acknowledge that in that film. And I needed to say that out loud. Uh, I've been saying again, it to Andrew fair. all week. Now, it's fair. And again, there's some stuff he brings up in there that I don't agree mm -hmm. with. Yeah. But at the same time, in the hands of different writers, like mm -hmm. a big chunk of the middle portion of this movie is Mike Coulter going on and on about how growing up a poor black child. Yes. <laughs> growing up in the streets of Baltimore. <laughs> I was going to go with rural Mississippi, but fair. Uh, it would have to be Mississippi or Louisiana because he's vaguely French. Oh, my God. My, <laughs> he can't just be from Baltimore for, to, to make my wire joke. No. Ugh. You know, Mark. All black people do not live in Harlem or Baltimore. That's a lie. And in BMO, we aim to hit a nigga. You heard? <laughs> I mean, you can aim all you want. I, I've seen, I, I saw the accuracy of most of those people in The Wire. It wasn't good. I not only ruined Christmas by demanding children scissor me, but I was also, but a few days later, I was chasing them around the house, asking them what they do in Baltimore. And my daughter had just about enough of me. I'm surprised it took her this long. <laughs> <laughs> She's had enough of me for a while. <laughs> Moving um, on. Anyway, like the point there being these two guys, they form a bit of a bond yeah, because of the circumstances they find themselves in. I could have used a touch more of that. Again, I don't need, I don't need a lot more, but there's a bit at the end when Coulter tells, you know, Butler, like, you know, I'm not getting on that plane with you. Right. And Butler goes, I know, you know, good luck. Yeah. And in a dumber movie, they fight and, or, and, Mike, and Coulter dies or they hug. Yeah. Or again, like they've spent a lot. They've spent again, like Butler breaks down talking about his dead wife at one yeah. point. He bear in mind, he never brings that up to Coulter. Like we, the audience know, cause he talks briefly about it with his co-pilot when they're, you know, like, okay. Nice to meet you. First time flying together. So, who are you? What do you do? Like, oh, yeah, I'm so and so. I'm from here. Got a picture of my family. Like, oh, you know, cool. Got a daughter. Like, oh, so your wife? No, she passed a few years ago. And like, that's it, which is actually like entirely appropriate, like getting to know you conversation, right? One degree or another. But he never brings it up to, again, to Coulter. He's never like, no. He, I mean, the thing he says is, you know, his motivation at one point is like, you know, I've got a daughter. And I plan on getting back to her. And again, that makes sense. But there's a so, lot that's left for the audience. Like, right. That we I was going to say, up. like, what normal person in that situation would have been like, I'm going to let everyone die and, and live with, and I'm okay with the guilt of that. Like, most people would, most people not named Kelsey would, um, would do the mental calculus of I cannot live with the guilt of a you know, of, of a dozen dead people on my conscience. I have an opportunity to try to save them. I will, but he doesn't have that like hero moment necessarily. Yeah. He doesn't have that like you know <laughs> if it was Zack Snyder dun dun as the camera pans up from shoe to brow you know as he gets ready for the fight you know he doesn't have that Rambo moment of the tight close up of the shoelaces angrily being tied together and the knife violently being put into his that, seat. That's commando, not Rambo, but okay. It's the same fucking scene. Um, <laughs> they do the same thing in for in first blood part two when he's gearing up for the mission. Um, but my point, my point being like, you're right. There's a, there's enough room and breath left in the audience experience to go. We don't think we, we don't want you to leave them behind. We're with you. Go do the hero thing. We're, 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 we're with you, Gerard Butler. Yeah. 
we don't we're not questioning your decision and the movie doesn't make him so obvious about it so like blatant to where he has to like say it out loud or they have to have a stupid hero moment yeah and again like to the other point it helps that he is he's not i can do everything he's got a decent bit of experience working electrical stuff he's a pilot and he has a little bit of military training because he came from the royal air force but he was never a fighter pilot he was never a he's not a navy seal who got busted down to being a cook on a (laughs) submarine right he's not he's he's a killer he's a he's a machine you don't understand you can't send him in the field that way yeah he's not any of those things and it colonel colonel troutman doesn't walk on scene at one point do you know what's out there do you understand what you're dealing with yeah and again it's to the strength of the movie that he's Mm -hmm. just himself you know again he leans a little bit more on the guy with actual like combat military we're we're saying it but not saying it so let's just say it isn't it nice to have a penis no isn't it nice (laughs) (laughs) some days (laughs) isn't it nice to see ordinary men rising to extraordinary circumstances and saving the day yeah you know the way movies used to be written (laughs) you miss the diehards of the world right and i I don't mean like what diehard became but you know again like Bruce Willis is just a cop from New York in the wrong place at the wrong time in the first Die Hard movie, and he figures right. it out. And took his shoes off. Took his shoes off when he shouldn't have. Um, it is better than being caught with your pants down, but says you. Um, but my point is, like, it, it, so much is extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. You yeah. don't go on that journey with them. Where movies used to be ordinary people that you could relate to in extraordinary circumstances and rising to the occasion. Lost yeah, again, it it really is. You know, there's there's nothing ordinary about anything in a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. like ever. Yeah, there's nothing ordinary about Maverick, the character. Like he's a savant so he, pilot. I was gonna say he's a Jedi. Pretty much. <laughs> You're doing a Star Wars. It's not a Star Wars. It's a Star Wars. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> What's that? That's Chewbacca celebrating. D- d- darn it. Uh, there's nothing There's nothing ordinary about any of the, speaking of Star Wars, the most recent crop of Star Wars characters. Right. Everyone's descended from someone and was born yeah. with what? Like, no. <laughs> if there was one thing... It, Look, you and I disagree with a lot of people about The Last Jedi. You and I both tend to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. What The one thing I wish they'd left, I, I, much as I hate, I, I hate Jar Jar Abrams, I really do. <laughs> and mystery box storytelling has ruined an entire generation of storytellers across all kinds of medium, right? After this, please wrap up. I will. They really should have left that Ray was a nobody. Yeah, that was great. Really, that, like, that bit with her, with her and Adam Driver, where he's like, "You're nothing. You're nobody. Your parents were drunks. They sold you for they sold you for drinking money." Yeah, all we, that, that was it. The fact that they had to then make her a Palpatine because everyone has to be related to somebody, and then she changes her name to Skywalker. Like, really, you couldn't just go with Ray X. She <laughs> like, couldn't put glasses on. Like, we didn't land on Tatooine. Tatooine landed on us. That would have been fine. Yeah. It... And that was, which is actually kind of the point that should have been, that Star Wars used to be good about making, was, doesn't really matter who you are. Like, if you have the will and the strength of moral character and whatnot, you can be a hero. 
You can do heroic things. You can rise to the occasion. And yeah, Luke's a Jedi, but Han isn't. And Leia's value is not that, well, she's a princess. No, she's a competent, qualified leader. That's what makes... The rest of it, just it's not necessary. And sadly, we've lost that. You know, to Mark's point, seeing the average, more or less the average person rising to extraordinary circumstances, more of this, please. We need more of it. Absolutely. And no, Ant-Man doesn't qualify because Paul Rudd is a schlub. No, I mean, does not qualify. And, and, you know, he well, he was also like a fucking like master thief or some stupid shit. Yeah, Matt, master might be an ex, might be stretching the point. It was but. all of it. Well, first of all, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but most humans, given the Ant Man suit, would not be able to operate it within a few hours of training. You know, I mean, he he took him more than a few hours. You, uh, no, no, no I, I'm not disagreeing with your general point. I am saying, like, let's be fair to the movie. They were planning and rehearsing for that heist for, like, weeks. Yeah, I. my point being, like, there, I, the, when your Marvel everyday man is, is, is um, Scott Lang, there are no ordinary men. Everybody yeah. is extraordinary. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is made of just the most talented, most beautiful, you're, most you're interesting every- people. Your everyday man is, you know, Kit Harrington about to inherit the cursed blade. Yeah. You know, Peter Parker, just an average student who can, you know, who finds various parts of a computer in a dumpster and is able to create Skynet. I'm, I'm yep. done here. <laughs> I, I, I fucking had it with Marvel. All right, moving on. Here you we go. Not, you are not alone. But so last thing. Yeah. If you like 90s throwback action movies, this is going to be your jam. All right. Here, here's the thing, and and I said this on movies that don't suck and some that do. It's probably gonna be like my theme for the year. If you want to see the theater industry thrive, you have to actually get out and go see movies. If you're watching us because you like Robert and I grabbing on each other's wieners and pulling, um, and you know, and whether or not you've seen the movie, you just enjoy our conversations. Conversation. Conversation. Why? Conversation. Just why are you doing this? Conversation. Um, so if you like when Robert You're and I trying have... to turn conversation into some kind of weird euphemism. Have you not heard the Metal Hammer of Doom extra when I reviewed Caliente, the new the clothing optional resort? I have not. Go back and listen to it and you'll understand just how weird that was. Um... I don't need no, I, I understand <laughs> immediately. We just said the title, like, okay. Anyway, for those of you who like to watch me and Robert have conversation with each other but don't necessarily see the movies we talk about. If you do nothing else, go see plane, go see plane before it goes PVOD, which I'm sure it will any as before this podcast is done recording, go see it before it ends up on a streamer or before Lionsgate becomes Netflix South. Um, I just go because we're going to continue to lose the theater going experience. It's going to red letter media. This will be the last thing I say that I'm immediately hitting the, the button for the money. Yeah. Red letter media made a joke about how to save star Wars. And the joke was make every, make every movie a hundred dollar ticket, make every single star Wars movie a hundred dollars. And, and like, like a phantom event, you know, like a, like a theater exclusive. Um, because they'll make the money on the hundred dollar tickets from the Chris Bailey's of the world who love star Wars, um, without any kind of criticism and they're willing to pay the hundred dollars per ticket well that 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 population of star wars has shrunk now that abrams and the point being that's what's that's going to end up being the movies like have you 
if you my, my kids going to see Hamilton this weekend and those tickets were like the size yeah. of, you know, the like a payment on a on a 2003 Bu uh, Buick, like they're astronomical. They're crazy. You know, the, the the live theater experience, the tickets are so much money. Most people can't get them. The um, this might change now, but like the price to get into Disney World is so astronomical. It's either a rich person's experience or nothing like normal people can't go anymore. You're going to have the, it's something you spend like two to three years saving up for. Right. That's going to be the theater experience if we're not careful, because I think there'll be I think there'll always be something, but it's going to end up being a novel event and not just part of the life experience that we go through. And I've already gone through this once with Toys R Us. I don't want to go through it again with theaters. You know, we, we all grew up with, with Toys R Us and then it was gone. And then there's like, you know, three. To be fair, two of my brothers did not grow up with Toys R Us. That's my but that's the thing. We sat there, we had we had this whole conversation conversation a few years ago about how we as 40 some odd year old men grew up with Toys R Us and what that experience was and what it meant to us and what it meant for our families going forward. And now it's gone. I don't want to be having the same conversation with the same guys in our 50s going, do you remember when you were a kid and you would go to the movies? Because no one else does anymore. And we've I, lost that bit of culture. I, I need to stress this to everyone out there. Like, mm -hmm. We've basically lost, uh, I, forget what, I believe they call it like third places mm -hmm. in like sociology terms. Like, where do you see other people? Right. Work? church what's the third like there used to be and we talk about again, when they talk about third places you know used to go bowling and you'd see other right. people and you could you could you know go walk <laughs> around this podcast the... going tiktok duh no we're talking in real life yeah like and uh, there's still that i believe the seminal work on this is called bowling alone uh, right. i forget the author but it's become true on a societal level about so much. Like if we start, if we continue losing one of the very few communal places where we all congregate, like the death of the mall is kind of a big one. Like people used to go, like yeah. you, you just see people and you'd. To the point where people felt they need to make movies about it, about just mall culture and going yeah. and the act of going to the mall to, to wrap up. And then I'm, I'm going to hit the thing. Yeah. Um, I bring this up because. It's not going to be the Marvel movies, Lucasfilm or DC movies. No. It's not going to be comic book movies that save the theater. It's, really it's going to be it's it's going to be movies like this, smaller budget, mid tier movies, whether or from whatever genre. And if people don't go see them, you're not going to have movies anymore. And that's one less place for people to be around people. And society is going to suffer if all our interactions among other people is through this fucking screen that we're doing right now. If it's either through the screen or at work, because when you're at work, you're like, mm. right. And this, and as much as, as much as I enjoy my weekly conversations with Robert, conversation, 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 as much as I enjoy our weekly two hour conversation, I would much rather have done this in person. I would much rather sit with Rob, put a camera up, microphone, have, have, let him drink warm milk, whatever the fuck he does. Have, water, you know, <laughs> water, <laughs> have a beer <laughs> and let's do the same thing. But let's 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 be present with each other in the room. Um, and we can't. I live in Tampa. He lives in Utah. But my point is, there's a there's there's a lost energy 
when yeah. all you do is communicate virtually and it's going to hurt the culture more than it's going to help. I see yeah. the value in it as a necessity, but when that's all there is with no other options, you're going to see the culture suffer for it. And it with that a, said, it is obliterating society. Uh -huh. It really is. <laughs> It's funny that this is where we landed on our movie. It's like, did you hear the guys talk about the end of culture? They were talking about playing for fuck's sake. All right. <laughs> With that said. The last stand the of the culture is playing. <laughs> folks, it's playing or nothing at this point. Right, save, comes... save our movies. Go see playing. <laughs> there you go. Save our movies. Go see playing. Put it on a t-shirt, Mindy. And with that, or you know what? Mindy's out of a job now. Put it on a t-shirt, Kelsey. Save the yeah, movies. Somebody... Go see playing. You have someone in person you can yell at now. Instead yeah, now it's not trying to get Jesse to relay your request to his wife. Yeah, now I don't have to go through Jesse to get his wife to do something. I can just get Kelsey to do it. All right. With that said, here comes the Kelsey. We're in the money. We're in the money. There we go. We're in the money. Well, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, yeah, y'all ain't got no culture. The on occasion, no. I understand why everyone thinks that <laughs> the average moviegoer is dumb. All right, uh, on a budget of twenty-five on the high end, twenty-five million dollars. This thing made twelve million. Um, in the United States and Canada, plane was released alongside House Party, which. Hey, have you heard about House Party? Have you heard Robert Winfrey of the Screamy Boy podcast? Have you heard about House Party? Someone, I literally... That I was not a good idea. <laughs> I really want someone to go get an actual donkey. Go get a real mule. Drag it into Zaslav's office and let the mule actually kick him through a window. Jesus Christ. Like, I can understand, like, from here on in, we're not making stuff exclusively for HBO Max. But the wholesale, like, everything's going to theaters and not thinking about, you know, we're going to cancel Batgirl. We're going to put House Party in theaters. We're going to sleep with a prostitute with HIV. We're doing all the terrible things. Like, why? Have you, yeah, you're, look. You're an educated house, businessman. How are you making decisions this bad? House Party should have been exclusively on HBO Max to the extent oh. that you should have spent money on it at all. Yeah, I was gonna say the real answer was don't make don't remake House Party. It was fine when it was kid and play years ago. Once, yeah, now it's like, hey, LeBron James. People know him, right? Did you not learn? Listen to me. Listen, to, look, right here. Look at me. <laughs> listen to me. Learn. Look at my eyes. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> Did you not learn from Space Jam Two? LeBron James is no good for your movie. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm going to tell you. Like, in turn, I, I was way too focused on House Party. We got to move this on, but I had to make fun of it. This, it, it, the House Party is not the problem. Who gives a fuck about House Party? Nobody, clearly. The problem is how badly this discovery. When you think about the AOL Time Warner merger, a, a merger is so bad they study it in business school. Now. It is. It is actually in the textbook. <laughs> and now we fast forward. You know, twenty odd years later, to 30. the discover. No, that was in the two thousands. Was it? Yeah, that was a dude. They went, they merged, and WCW went out of business. It was two thousand one. Okay, so twenty, yeah, a little years. over twenty. Yeah, um, and then you look at the Discovery Warner Brothers merger, AOL Time Warner 
merger. And you look at the decisions that got made, you're like, how you people have business degrees, you people have like experience with this. How do you look at something like House Party? And well, I get the argument of we're not making stuff for HBO Max anymore. This is this is this is a money killer. Sometimes you just gotta let things happen. Like let you made House Party for HBO Max. This was supposed to be one of those things to draw people to subscribe to it, or yeah. at least give it a month, give it a month to see whatever. No one's going to the theater to see that thing, no matter what you did with it. But people would have watched it on television. People looking for a good time, looking for some laughs, not you and I. But there's a lot of people out there that looked at that house party movie and be like, this is a fun thing to watch with my friends and family on a Saturday night. I would watch this. I will watch HBO. I will get HBO Max to watch this movie. No one. Look at me. Look at look at me. Look. No one is going to pay money in a theater experience to watch House Party. After the 20-minute segment we did on Please Save Our Movies, say, 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 go see play and save our movies, this is the opposite of that argument. No one's going to the movies to see fucking House Party. And the fact that they made the decision to put it in theaters because we're not supporting the stupid app anymore, we're not going to support the streamer, how is it all ones and how's all ones and tens with the decision making here? You know, that's what I'm saying. Like there was no middle of the ground, middle ground, middle of the road, sane solution to anything. It was everything that's coming off. Well, hang on. We should look at each property individually and see where we can maximize their benefit. Nope. Fuck it. <laughs> Burn it down, set it on fire, throw it out the window. Like you're, you're not drunk. You're not an angry man In committing theory. domestic violence. What is wrong with you? Theory. And then you know, but but Velma, we're gonna keep. Okay, got it. You know, I almost, I almost wonder if they don't look at Velma as an insurance payment. <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna lose money on this, right? But as long as it's around and as long as it's being made, right. this is our insurance yeah. against being accused of yeah, various say, it's, things. It's a racism shield. All right. In the U.S. and Canada, Plane was released alongside House Party and the wide expansion of A Man Called Otto. It was projected to gross about seven to ten million from over three thousand theaters in its opening weekend. The film made about three million on its first day, including four hundred and thirty-five from Thursday night previews. It went on to debut ten point two million, finishing in fifth. Which brings us to the weekend that was, uh, on the weekend of G uh, January thirteenth through the fifteenth. Avatar was the number one weekend, five weeks running. No shock there. Right. Megan, uh, Megan is number two, second week in a row. Megan with pretty good hold, actually. Only a 40% drop your, sec your first week. That's actually quite good. I don't, know who, I don't know who that's resonating with, but it is resonating. So, <laughs> Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, um, currently a Golden Globe winner, from what I understand, and also uh, uh, sure. on streaming. Um, came in third. Four weeks in a row. Uh, a man called Otto, and now in wide release. Got its wide release. And, yeah, yeah. Now at number four, plane debuted at five. House Party six. House Party is fucking embarrassing. Um, yeah, Black the mm. drop from five to six there is really embarrassing. Um, so yeah, plane will probably be able to squeak out pro to you know, turn a decent profit. Nothing world, nothing world shaking. Yeah, certainly not going to save Lionsgate. Um, Black Panther dropped from five to seven. The Whale seven to eight. Whitney Houston, I want to dance with crack. Six to nine. Um, well, Tear Viraga debuted at 10. Skinner Marink 
Number 11, The Devil's Conspiracy, debuted at 14. Saint Omer, uh, the greatest saint of all, from Neon Pictures, debuted at number 24. Sure. <laughs> all right, worldwide, uh, let's go back to 2022 and check in on our good friends, Avatar, The Way of the Waiter. Uh, currently at 1.9, overtaking Top Gun Maverick. Um, everything just got moved down. No significant changes there. In the year of our Lord, 2023, Plane, number one for movie worldwide. Reason, for some reason, we have still... I don't know why Megan isn't listed here. Uh, did Universal piss somebody on the big P in the Cheerios of somebody at uh, fucking hang, box hang, office mojo? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Go back to 2022 for just a sec, if you would, please. Yeah. Is Megan here? Like, did it... He, I was Did just it technically that. get a limited release in 2022? Yep. There it is. Okay. So with a current worldwide box office total of 94 million, mm -hmm. it would be the top the top movie of 2023. So release date, January 26, 2023. Was it released anywhere in 2022? Not okay. in so, Europe, East Africa. Oh, hang on, France. Ah, so motherfucker. It, it, it's France that's screwing everything up. December, you, you Dece dirty, <laughs> you dirty De yes. December twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, mother France, <laughs> mother fuck the French man, and this is ruining our ability to. Oh look at it, dirty Mexicans, they're in <laughs> on the plot. December 29th in Mexico. Oh, you dirty motherfuckers! Every I, every okay. problem we've ever had came from Mexico. I'm just gonna say or that France. right here, right now. <laughs> All right, nobody. See, everyone in a the everyone in Asia Pacific is behaving themselves. The, the they all waited. The Romance languages are the ones that are ruining us. <laughs> <laughs> They're the goddamn Mexico and France. See, but even Italy, Italy waited until January fifth. I'm still saying what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with you. Yeah, Mexico and France fucked us. <laughs> okay, so that's why. Yep, that's what. All so right. For those of us who were curious about that, Megan technically it's a twenty twenty two movie in two countries. <laughs> I guess I guess that counts. That no one cares about. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, if you're if you're like at Universal, you're like, oh, we have this great shot of being in the top ten twenty twenty three. Actually, you're twenty twenty two. Are you shitting me? Who did this to us? And like, like the guy walks in, he's got a beret on, black and white striped shirt. He's currently miming. You know, like, oh, get out of here, Frenchie. Like, oh, I have ruined your film. And behind him is Floyd Mayweather in the sombrero. This whole bit's racist. All right, moving on. No, no, um, it's funny because Floyd Tyson Fury too. Like, I need, I need small and tall. Mm -hmm. Like, you got Floyd Mayweather down here, and you got Tyson Fury way up here. Mm -hmm. But they're both wearing their because they've both come out dressed in the Mexican attire. I need them both together dressed in their Mexican attire. <laughs> a, a British guy and a black man both wearing a sombrero and the poncho. Perfect. <coughs> Plane is the number one movie worldwide with 12 million. Then House Party with a paltry 4 million. And by the way, neither one with a foreign release, it looks like, outside of Canada. At the moment. Um, Operation Fortune, Rouge de Gris. I want to check this out for a second. Now, now, now you got me curious. All right, so it's been released January 5th and 6th throughout Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Released January 5th and 6th in Mexico and Colombia. And in Hong Kong and New Zealand. Uh, not released in not released in the United States. So there's, there's the problem there. Released all over the rest of the world. Not released in America. 
Not at the moment. Not at the moment. With no release date in sight, as near as I can tell. Again. Though I suspect that's going to get sold to a streamer the way it's looking. I'm, I'm sure it'll be streaming somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Father and Soldier, number four, unknown title. Sure. Um, <laughs> a Doctor Roaring, Strange. <laughs> Roaring start. <laughs> a Doctor Strange title at number six. Um, Detective Conan, Hybera, Iman Gatari, Black Iron Mystery Train. Sure. Romina VTM, Walter. Blah, blah, blah. And then coming at number 10, Skinamarink. All righty. Fuck you, it's January. Speaking of which. Um, a roaring start to the cinematic <laughs> year of 2023 we are. Yeah. Uh, so next week, this uh, at this day, uh, at our normally scheduled time, we're gonna get we're gonna get caught up on some Netflix movies that came out at the end of December, like we like we are have been doing the last few years. We're gonna do Glass Onion, um, a Knives I, Out movie. I am going to enjoy pissing all over that. But we could have talked missing, and Robert could have uh, killed himself live on the air. <laughs> like I, I, I saw the trailer for Missing, and I'm like, I would never put that. Look, there's a you 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 talk maybe jokingly, maybe passive aggressively about the things I make you do. You, this is why you and Alexis are like trauma bonded. Like he makes us, he makes us, you know, I would never I, make I do you it watch more, missing. I, I do it more for the bit. <laughs> sure. Um, I would never make you watch missing. I'm not that cruel. I'm not, and nor am I interested I've, in that movie. I've seen way too many movies that yeah. are like, Hey, we'll composite together footage from FaceTime and Google searches. Like I, I've seen a bunch of those and none of them are all that good. You know, if watching people sell photo on screen is not that interesting. Um, all right, so that's the 20th. The 27th, uh, we've got Distant, which is a another one I was not going to subject you to. It's from Universal. It's got Anthony Ramos, Naomi Scott, and Zachary Quinto of Star Trek fame. Um, I, I don't care enough, and I'd rather do the Netflix movie A Pale Blue Eye with um, Christopher, not Christopher Nolan, uh, Christian Bale. <clears throat> and then we have... Fear, which is a horror movie, with Mo Ruby Modine, assuming she's a relative of some description of Matthew Modine. Uh, decent enough chance. Okay. And then February 3rd, we finally get to movies that matter. We have the new M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, uh, Knock at the Cabin, plus, and, and counter-programming that for all you old ladies and Patriot fans out there, Eddie for Brady, the girl I took to plane. I was like, hey, and I kind of nudged her. I was like, hey, arr. You wanna you wanna go see Knock at the Cabin with me? I gotta see it for my podcast. She was like, no. But will you take me to go see 80 for Brady? So instead of doing in Night Shyamalan, you have to now do 80 for Brady because that's the thing the girl wants to see. I'm not touching that with <laughs> I'll take the Kelsey, it's fine. Um <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're gonna do Knock at the Cabin because we always do an M Night Shyamalan ding dong. I need to read the book before we review it, but yeah. Oh, by the way, just for the record. Yeah. Yeah, this is based on, this is in fact based on a book that <laughs> is not getting credit because Shyamalan is kind of a dirtbag. Um, all right. So February 10th, we've got Consecration in wide release. It looks like from IFC film, the re-release of Titanic because fuck you, I'm James Cameron. I mean, to um, be fair, he's got an excuse. It is the 30th anniversary. Or 25th. Which um, okay, so we're not reviewing 25th. anything coming out that weekend because there's nothing. However, that the week that we would you know, be reviewing we really something, should. We really should review Titanic, Mark. What we're going to do is the 2023 Best Picture Contenders because by then they yeah, should announce yeah. who they are. Um, and then 
The 17th, I believe, is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Probably. Yep, there it is. Yeah, I saw the I saw the other I, I had seen the original trailer for Ant Man and the mm-hmm. Wasp. I did not see the second one until it was in front of this movie. So are we really people? Are we really doing our central tension being Scott Lang wants his five years back? God, I hope not. I haven't watched That's, the second trailer. I don't I I was saying telling this to Andrew, I don't watch trailers online anymore because I go to the movies enough to where I'd rather just wait and see them you on did, the big screen. So did you see the did you see the second trailer for Quantumania in front of this one? Um, no, maybe. I don't think I remember. Because I asked Andrew how MODOK looks, and he was like, not great. No, he doesn't look great at the moment. Um, um, all right. <clears throat> Just to kind of wrap yeah, up like, this. Yeah, the big thing here is like Kang's going to be doing the, you will help me escape from the quantum realm, and with my powers, my vast, undefinable powers... I can give you back the five years you lost in the quantum realm when everyone else was snapped with your daughter, who's now become a delinquent and is being locked up in jail. And don't you understand? He's going to be tempted to fall. Please. And February 24th, it's the Top Gun Maverick of 2023, everyone. Cocaine bear, baby. (laughs) I... I'm with you, man. I hope that movie does very... Well, look, you, me, and like Jason and... Jesse have spent the last couple of days trying to spin up the drug animal cinematic universe. <laughs> I okay, so the, the so the cocaine is for the bears. Yep. Meth is for the gators. Met, well, crocodiles and alligators both. They get all the meth, so yep. we figured cows were the stoners. Yep. Yep. Cows gets pot. We so, don't have a heroin one yet. Yeah, we we were we I was thinking like flamingos or swans or something because I was very caught up in that like seventies heroin chic thing with a beautiful gal who shoots heroin and then wanders out of a third you know thirty story window, but you know that neglects the entire rest of the population currently fucking using heroin. That isn't a beautiful girl from the seventies. Anyway, um, they have started out as a beautiful girl from the seventies, but now it's bubbles. I think we've decided that Avatar is probably not getting unseated by any new movie coming out until maybe Knock at the Cabin. But definitely by Quantum Mania. That sounds about. I mean, look, we joke because Cocaine Bear is after Quantum Mania. Yeah, Knock at the Cabin has an outside shot, very outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, at that point, it's just like the. Does I'm like Shyamalan Ding Dong like command an audience anymore? I doubt it. I mean, we hang on. What old... show? Hang on one second. Peanut Gallery is talking. What show are you watching? Okay, so I mean, maybe Servant has an audience, and that's an M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong show. If you say so, never heard. Kelsey of it. says so, and you know Kelsey's never wrong. Literally, never heard of it. All right, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Oh, put the women and children to bed. Here we go. It's the critical review. Are you ready? Make good movies and you'll be rewarded in theory. Uh, the critics seem to like it, 75%. Uh, the audience was like, yeah, more of this, please. Let's have conversation with it. 94%. The, the prob- yeah, the, the problem with the uh, with the um, the critical score there is look at the number of reviews. 110. 
Now yeah, everyone wants to see House Party. Hang on, again, 110 <laughs> is nothing. It's certainly nothing to sneeze at in the grand scheme right. of things. But I think my favorite series of these. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? I forget. I think it was a television series because they'll do these by t- by TV series as well. Mm-hmm. And the tomato meter score remained somewhat consistent. Like it started lower and actually got higher, mm-hmm. but the number of reviews went from like thousands <laughs> to hundreds by the time the third or fourth season. Hang, hang so on. So you I do need to pay attention to that. Let's right. look at Velma. Oh, must we? I don't want to. <laughs> Let's let's look I don't at Velma. Want to. No. Oh no no. I we have to. Oh my god. <laughs> Hasn't changed. <laughs> Fifty-five on from the critics and six percent audience. Oh, it's clearly review bombed. Has not clearly <laughs> by all the racists. Um, but it doesn't tell you how many how many. It doesn't <laughs> did they take away the fucking reviews? They're, hi- <laughs> they're hiding it. They are that <laughs> fucking hysterical, bro. <laughs> uh, we couldn't even do this if we wanted to. That's great. Oh, way to that's, protect it. That's funny. Oh, Rotten Tomatoes, you're not biased at all. Now, now, now wait, because like the 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 logic is going to be well. We're waiting for the full season to come out before we start publishing. Like, bull. Oh shit! <laughs> all right, house party. Uh, 30 and 59. Oof. So nobody likes that either. Uh, 30 reviews. Okay, so I'm wrong. They, the less people review fucking House Party than they did uh, Plane. Yeah. Terrific. All right, back to Plane. Here, Plane, Plane, Plane. All righty. Wait, wait, wait. Where's our, where's our blurb? Is that a blurb? Oh, I, whoops. I got so caught up in the other thing. <clears throat> plane charts a standard <clears throat> plane starts a standard action adventure course with its cruising altitude just a few miles above direct video but with gerard butler in the cockpit arr, thriller enthusiasts will still find this a fun night fun flight fun flight someone needs to find whoever wrote that or whatever ai did it and kick them repeatedly in the crotch like look at the look at the references in that there's like, you have what a sentence there, and you have three or four bad airplane jokes. Yeah. Um. All right. Going to oh, Rachel Leishman of the Mary Sue, the Mary Sue Robert Winfrey. Truly, just one of those movies that is fun <coughs> and something to suspend your disbelief with for a while. Look, you make a decent movie, even idiot reviewers get it right on occasion. Like us. <laughs> Steven Silver of Tilt Magazine, former newspaper. <laughs> the, ve- the very definition of a January ass movie. Tilt no, Magazine, sir. everyone. <laughs> you have not suffered the way we have suffered through fuck you. It's yeah. January. I don't. I, no, I no, take. No. I. You know what you are, buddy? You are that like guy who exists in the army. You're the guy who exists like back at the command center and then claims you've seen action. No, man. Mark and I have been front line on this one. You ain't shit. <laughs> let's go back to 2018, the year of our Lord. Yes, let's. So January of 2018, I saw Proud Mary. We didn't review it. 
I can't believe you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had movie pass. That's true. Oh yeah, back when that was going to be. A, remember when that was going to yeah. be a thing? We didn't review a single movie in the month of January of 2018. Our choices were Insidious, The Strange One, Stratton, Sweet Country, The Commuter, Proud Mary, Act, The Violence, Freak Show, Humor Me, Vizanti, Mary and the Witch's Flower, Strong, Twelve Strong, Den of Thieves, <clears throat> Forever My Girl, The Maze Runner, The Death Cure, The Insult, and Please Stand By. Yeah, Not a single movie in the month of January. That's of pretty much all crap. Yep. 2019 in the year of our Lord. Last year before film died. Escape Room, which we did not review. Uh, Rust Creek, American Hangman, A Dog's Way Home, The Upside, Replicas, After Darkness, Glass. Glass we reviewed. We did review Glass. Close, The Standoff of Sparrows uh, Creek, The Final Wish, The Kido Would Be King, Serenity, Iron Mother, and The Vast of Night. One. One fucking movie. One in the entire month of January. <laughs> 2020 before the world ended. Yeah, there was still a full schedule for January of 2020. There was the Grudge remake, which we did not review. Um, there was Underwater, Like a Boss, Three Christ, and Hurt the Viper, The Sonata, The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson. None of those. We did review Bad Boys for Life. Um, I, oh, I remember it and it hurts. We reviewed The Gentleman, but not when it was in theaters. And... Lastly, there was the rhythm section, which we consistently made fun of, but never actually reviewed. Dude. I think because of the trailer, I was obsessed with that movie. Yeah. It, that movie got play with you because, like, doesn't it have that stupid song in the trailer? Yes. It was a cover of something that I liked. <coughs> Don't lie to me. Tell me where did you, where sleep last night? Did you sleep yeah. last night? Kelsey. Kelsey. Don't lie to me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? The rhythm section. Um, it was Gretel and Hansel. Hansel? Hansel. And the assistant. Yeah, it was this guy like, no, this is the definition of an of a January ass movie, buddy. Uh -uh. <laughs> You've not seen January ass. 20, 2021, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what can one say? Was, yeah. Movies have not come back yet. They won't really come back until March of that year. And then 2022 in the year of our Lord. Uh, we had the 355. <laughs> Say it again. Buddy, you have not suffered the way we have suffered. You, you have not seen, for some reason, the director and editor decided that a slow-mo pan of Jessica Chastain <laughs> shooting a clearly fake gun without even like blanks being loaded audibly like you can see her mouth going bang with each pull of the triggers <laughs> you can Literally, see it it's in the movie <laughs> there was scream which was fine but then there was redeeming love and the king's daughter and then like nothing else the rest of the month yeah, so, again yeah. th this guy's an idiot <laughs> yeah no so ugh. all right um moving on this is much plain is much better than your average January happy trailer. new year friend Hey! Hello. Let's have conversation with Kevin Carr. Are you ready? I I refuse to do so based on how you euphemistically use that word. <laughs> no, let's have a conversation with Kevin Carr. Look, Kevin... I will I will guard the door, but that's as far <laughs> as I'm going with this. That's how Randy got in trouble, by the way. But um, in the Wire season four, Kevin Carr, fat guy at the movies, surprisingly well made. This Gerard Butler action thriller paints by the numbers, but is very good at painting by numbers. 
and I can see Russia from my house. Okay, okay, buddy, let me save you some. <laughs> hang, hang, on. How, hang on, how is Plane too much movie for Kevin Carr? Here's how you phrase this, okay? Because I've heard this descriptor before. The phrase is, the movie paints by numbers, but it uses the right colors. This is how we say this. <laughs> I heard that same descriptor of the Italian job remake movie and thought, yeah, that's a, that's a decent enough metaphor. Save that and use it on occasion. All right. James Berardinelli of Real Views. Get it? Real Views. Top critic. Real. R-E-E-L. Get it? Plane would have been an adequate way to waste a couple of hours lounging on the couch and munching salty snacks. But as I'm, that's racist. Why does it have to be salty? Why, why can't we do pita bread and um, help me? Hummus. hummus. Why can't we do pita bread and hummus? Why, why does it have to be salty snacks, James? Because hummus sucks. Hummus does not suck. But as a multiplex draw, not quite, even if you bring the salty snacks along. Ugh. Uh, Stop paying that man. <laughs> uh, former ex Mrs. Winfrey, Monique Jones of Common Sense Media. How in the world did you arrive at that? Because <laughs> I've decided I have a fetish for you. That's not your fetish, it's my fetish for you. Stop fetishizing me, Mark. <laughs> Never. Blaine says nothing new and reinforces painful cliches. <laughs> Please marry this woman and have conversation. Blaine says nothing new and reinforces painful cliches, making it feel more like a film from the 1980s or 90s than 2023. How is that oh, a bad thing? Oh, she's mad. She's mad this movie feels old and not new. She, it doesn't say anything new. Shut up. She's mad. Nothing. I bet she liked Velma a lot. One would assume. Yeah. This is it's my favorite one. say something. Oh, get it, man. <clears throat> This is my favorite review so far. Eli Glasner of CBC News. Plane fall. People fight. Critic happy. I feel like your son could have structured that better. <laughs> I, how did that get on Rotten Tomatoes and here we are toiling in obscurity? Because he works for an outlet that has comic book in its name. Fair. Nick Johnson of Vanya Land. You know, we were talking recently about where would you want to live? Would you, would you want to live in Star Wars or would you want to live on Pandora or Hogwarts? How about we live in Vanya Land, Robert I, Winfrey of the Screen I don't Podcast. know what that is. <laughs> Neither do I. But Nick Johnston, resident of Vanya Land, plain lives and dies on Butler and Coulter's shoulders and both do a solid job with what they've been given. Accurate. <laughs> Way to state the obvious. I mean, look, I'll take stating the obvious accurately over it doesn't say anything new and feels like it's from 20 years ago. <laughs> um, Isaac Feldberg of Above the Line, top critic. Coulter counterbalances all his brawny physicality with a grimly utilitarian sense of humor. Moments of Gaspar uh, skulking around corners with a sledgehammer, at least at my screening, drew bigger cheers than Butler's vein-popping cockpit performance. I don't know why that was... I don't know why that was chosen as your pullout. I mean, why that was the excerpt. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, the guy doing more action hero stuff will get a bigger reaction than, you know, the guy piloting the plane as a general rule. I, like, I'm not quite sure why that doesn't help inform your overall impression of the film. <sighs> Nick Allen of RogerEbert.com, top critic. This was, um, <clears throat> this might've been too much movie for him. The biggest problem with playing throughout it is that it isn't wilder. It does not revel appropriately in an, its open dumbness. 
I hope this guy gave like a like a fresh rating to House Party. Yeah, the, you're not understanding the purpose of these kinds of movies, buddy. Like yeah. you're you're the kind of idiot who goes, "Boy, John Wick three was the best of them," and we all just we all just pat you on the head and go, "Okay, go spin and flap in the corner." <clears throat> Taylor Baker, a drink in the movies. Drink it in. Slurp it up. Don't you drop. Don't you drop a drip on Daddy's carpet, though. Don't ever drop a drip. I I, I better not miss a drop when I'm in this bed servicing the president. <laughs> the very few times plane leans into being an action film like the sledgehammer sequence it is extremely fun. The reason it's agonizing to watch is the awful dialogue, paper thin characters, and intelligence insulting cutaways. Again, the cutaways I agree are a bit of a problem, but the rest of that, like, no, this movie doesn't insult your intelligence throughout any of the other stuff, and the characters aren't that thin. Like, they're not, I, again, none of you guys are Hamlet, but come on. I have two left here. Right. David Fear of Rolling Stone, top critic, former magazine. Plane is, in essence, the frontier airlines of action films. It's gut right to a fault, makes you endure a lot of unpleasantness on the way to its final destination, and still leaves you with the distinct feeling you didn't get even get what you paid for. I'm going to assume Frontier Airlines is going to sue him over this. <laughs> I hope. Uh, the I, Battle I, of the I Century, would, Rolling Stone versus Frontier Airlines. I would... I would pay money to see that. Former ex Mrs. Winfrey, Rachel Wagner of Rachel Rachel's she Reviews. Would, I don't believe this is ever a woman you've tried to associate <laughs> me with before. Nope, I'm finding new ones. Uh, yes, the former ex Mrs. Robert Winfrey says, "Let's just say this film comes in for a solid landing." Beat her, beat her for beat her for not cooking the meatloaf all the way through. No. <laughs> That's it. That's all you're going to say. Do I need to say anything else about your attempts to employ me at hypothetical domestic violence? <laughs> well, no, not that. Her stupid review. It's not great. And again, like, it, again, is it painfully stupid to go, hey, plain metaphor. <laughs> yes, it is. Is it, you know, somehow like wrong and stupid? No, it's not actually both wrong and stupid. It's just kind of stupid. All right, folks, that is our critical review. I think that's good enough for government work. We found one. We found one. <coughs> like, it doesn't say anything new. And the negative <clears throat> stereotypes about parts of the world that are actually dangerous. Well, last night I had an aneurysm, and that aneurysm was called Ronnie Adams, trying to learn how to use StreamYard. We plan, they planned this review of Tulsa King for, like, months now. Maybe a month. And... I asked at the time, I'm like, make sure you get hooked up with StreamYard. Make sure you have everything set. Do you need any help? Nope, we got it. Okay. You guys still doing it next week? Yep, 9 o'clock. Okay. So at 9.15 on a Monday, I come home from Fondue with my family. And there's Ronnie. I don't know how to do anything. I need codes. I don't know what I'm doing. Help. You ever just want to throw everything in your living room, including the people in it, out the window in, in just anger? Who do you think you're speaking to? <laughs> so, Ronnie, so here's my impression of Ron, of me trying to teach Ronnie how to use StreamYard at the last minute before he has to start recording. I put the packet on the glass. Ronnie says, what glass? The little glass dish in the microwave, Ronnie. Oh. And then I told him I shut the door. He goes, what door? The door to the microwave, Ronnie. It's right there. It's right there. Fucking there, man. 
You know how much effort it takes to make a microwave work without the door on? You can do it if you know how to jerry-rig it, but it's hard. I wish you were on TikTok. You would fully get that reference. I I more or less understand what's going on there with your, <laughs> with your frustration. I might act out my TikTok. Well, they got it done. Between between these two college-educated individuals, they've managed to get done a podcast. So good good for them. So shortly after I'm done here, we will post. Um, it's on YouTube now, but the audio will be posted. For Tulsa King, season one, starring Sylvester Stallone on Paramount Plus. Need to watch that actually. Yeah, I've heard it's quite good. Um, tomorrow at ten o'clock, uh, we, myself, Gavin Napier, and Alexis Haina, assuming they both don't kill each other in the middle of it, are going to review Kaleidoscope. I watched it in sequential order because, as Robert Winfrey has criticized about me, I am married to lineal structure telling. So you I had really, to... <laughs> you really are a slave to, to traditional uh, storytelling structure. You don't like anything that plays around with it. No, I, I had a real problem with The Witcher for that reason. Um, you got a dude. You've had <coughs> there's a number of Monty Python movies that you have a problem with because they don't conform to tradition of nar traditional narrative structure. Well, but anyway, um, you don't like you don't like Ghostbusters because it doesn't have narrative because it doesn't conform to traditional narrative structure. You're like, I don't get it. They have a business. What does this have to do with Zool? And there's this whole part in the middle where I don't get it. They're just they're just busting ghosts. Paul Feig did all so of a much sudden, better. Paul Feig did so much better understanding that material and it really spoke to me, especially the constant jokes about the cold soup. The joke wasn't about the temperature of the soup. Oh, it was not enough wontons. That's what it was. Uh, it was the amount of wontons in the soup. And that was highly relatable. Do you know how many times I've gotten wonton soup with not enough wontons? No, Mark, please tell me. How many times <laughs> have you had enough? Have you had a bunch of wontons? So many. All right. No, anyway. How many times have you ordered wonton soup and been dissatisfied <laughs> with, the, with the ratio of wonton to soup? That's between me and my Asian food delivery service. The, you don't actually have an answer, do you? No. Will you please let me do my plugs? You no, I'm, no, you brought this up. You brought up that abomination. I'm going to punish you for it. You're about to get muted. Um. Anyway, we're going to review Kaleidoscope tomorrow night. Uh, Mark so Mark watched it in, you watched it in sequential order. Alexis mm -hmm. Haina went in um, chromatic. chromatic order. Do we know what Gavin did? The order in which it was published. Fair enough. So I think his ends with white. His ends with the heist. All right. Um, and then allegedly, Ronnie Adams is threatening to do another podcast this week. It's the return of the Screaming Boy podcast. The future of D&D &D is what he'll talk about. Uh, Saturday is um, <clears throat> Everyone Loves a Bad Guy Day. This one is a re-air from 2013-ish, I guess. And uh, this is Everyone Loves a Bad Guy Oz. This is one that I'm on because I definitely talk Oz with you. I... And I believe it's 2013. I should have put the original air date in the description of that. I'm sure you did. Um, yeah. I just didn't look at it. That's and then right. Sundays is for Metal. That's right. Metal Hammer of Doom re-airing our Amon and Marth Deceiver of the Gods review uh, from around that time. And then next week, assuming I watch all this shit in time, we've got Doom Patrol Season 4, Glass Onion, um, Resonant Alien Season 2, Part 2, and Generation Kill Em All. That's what I've got going on. I got to go pee. Do your plugs. Well, much like Mark, I will be back here to review. He forgot to mute himself as he gets up. That's just, that's par for the course. Uh, we will be reviewing Glass Onion. Um, let me give you a quick preview of my thoughts on that particular film. 
it's still enjoyable, but it is nowhere near as good as Knives Out. And we'll get into the specifics next week, so please do come back for that. As for my other plugs, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts for 411mania.com, AW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, and UFC events on Saturdays. So the MLW review was delayed last week because I had a I got called to do a couple of other things, and then there was house-related issues. So that didn't happen until Friday because that was the I got to it after I got done with SmackDown. This week's uh, MLW review should be up in a much more timely fashion. I'm hoping that I don't have water in the basement again, because that sucked. So be on the lookout for any and all of that. Uh, Saturday is UFC 283. They're back in Rio de Janeiro for the first time since 2020. Well, Brazil for the first time since 2020, because the last event they held before COVID shut them down for a month and a half was in Brasilia. And now we're back in, again, we're back in Brazil. Decent enough card. If you want a full preview of it, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sundays, Sunday evenings, Monday mornings. This last week was a review of UFC on ESPN Plus 75, a preview of UFC 283, and a discussion of the crazy news of the week. Specifically, UFC heavyweight champion, former UFC heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou, leaving the UFC. He is now a free agent. The UFC has stripped him of the title, and the heavyweight title will now be decided in a fight between John Jones and, and Cyril Gaon at UFC 285. I'm so pissed. I really wanted to watch that on pay-per-view live. I will be at the Dropkick Murphys that night. And no, before anyone suggests, I actually want to go see the Dropkick Murphys. I've been waiting a while for this show. But, like, why doesn't the UFC ever call me and Paul? And like, you know, or, you know, in the WWE, why don't they contact Paul and I and put stuff on nights that we're both available? I can't imagine why, Mark. And Paul and I it, have made this request of them several times, by the way. It, it boggles the mind that the billion dollar companies don't consult <laughs> you about their yeah. scheduling. You're not wrong. Just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a Conversation. Conversation. So yeah, I talk about Francis Ngannou leaving, as well as the Dana White turning himself into a meme again. And you know what? This one I hope never dies. And I mean that. Like, did you hear this? For the record, Mark. What? His response. There's going to be no actual punishment levied at Dana White for you know getting into a fist fight with his wife. He didn't get charges in Vegas when it happened. Uh, I believe they were in Mexico. He can get oh well, never mind. There, there's no laws in Mexico. There are laws in Mexico. We've tr <laughs> we've we've been very close to that line too much tonight. So on a, when discussing this more seriously, was it? I forget. I forget the location. But to the best of my knowledge, at the moment, there are no criminal charges. There's the UFC's not doing anything. Endeavor's not doing anything. None of it's doing anything. Well, and his response when asked was, you know, here's my punishment. I get to walk around for the rest of my life labeled as that guy. <laughs> so now fighters and other personalities are coming out going, you know, should I really have been suspended and had my win overturned for that drug test failure? Shouldn't I just have to wear the sign for the rest of my life that I failed a drug test? Or, you know, I've illegally streamed every UFC pay-per-view ever, but shouldn't that just be my punishment that I'm known as the guy who illegally streamed every UFC pay-per-view ever? Isn't this enough of my punishment? 
We're at the two-hour mark. I know. So, again, I hope those memes never die because of all the boneheaded things. Uh, so if you want my full take on any and all of that and other news of the week, the 411 Ground Pound MMA podcast, I will talk you off about professional combat sports action. So tune in for that if you're so inclined. Next week, we talk Glass Onion, why it doesn't work, and Ryan Johnson getting to just be ungodly self-indulgent. All right, folks. Uh, speaking of ungodly self-indulgent, this has been Damn You Hollywood. He is Robert Winfrey. I am Mark Rattledge, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. Be well, be safe, and behave.